Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan, and this is another episode of Bewildered. You know us, we're the people who do a podcast for other people who are trying to figure it out. Exactly. So, Rowie, what are you trying to figure out lately? Well, so many things, Marty, as you know. I'm mm-hmm. a very confused individual, mm. just trying to live my life. But, um, you know, one of the things, especially in a cross-cultural sort of situation, this I'm not from here, sometimes I don't always understand the the culture, the humour. Mm. And I often have a sort of fear that I'm not understanding when someone's having a go. Uh, now, I don't know if Americans use that expression. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, are you taking me for a ride? Would that make sense? Yeah. Having like, a go you... is more toilet related, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I don't No, so. it's like having a go. It's like, um, see, part of it is I think that Americans don't really do this. Like trying to make someone believe something when, let me, let me explain what I'm really talking okay. about. So. We do Pilates. Mm. <laughs> Talked about it before. A long time ago, you have a tail. I do. It was a whole big drama in it our lives It doesn't stick out, people. It's just underneath. <laughs> um, you really, we don't know when we said this so you'll really have to go through the whole back catalogue <laughs> what a treasure what a treasure um, but I took a bit of a sabbatical from Pilates for a while mm. but I'm back and it has caused me to wonder on occasion about our darling Ray who teaches us how to do Pilates and how mm. to strengthen our core. He's cause, I suppose. Ray, we love you. I love you, Ray. But sometimes, Ray, I've got to say I wonder about you. <laughs> like, okay, so here's one of the – so he just – look, he has us do things. Mm-hmm. And he – like, how would we know if they're real or not? We're not going to go Google it. Like, so – one of the things he has us do, and I'm taking a risk here because if he is having a go, if he is laughing all over New Hope, oh, Pennsylvania about this. debacle. He, yeah. It's just, I'm just 
going to demonstrate how stupid we are. But anyway, so we do this one thing. We're all we're on the floor on our little yoga mats, doing our little exercises. And <laughs> then we do this, <laughs> this one where we kind of, we lie on our backs and we grab our ankles <laughs> and then we roll back like a little ball. And when we get to the sort of bit where we're on our shoulders, if that makes sense, like where mm-hmm. our back is sort of rounded, we're holding onto our ankles, wee, we roll back. And then when we're at the top of that, this is where I start wondering, we have to clap our feet a few times. Mm-hmm. Three times and, specifically. And he, call, he calls this the seal, mm-hmm. right? So as in, or, or, or as in the seal of approval. I don't know. Oh, there you go. But... Clap, you know, if you're happy and you know it, clap your feet. I just don't. <laughs> I'm just be- not sure, Marty. I'm not sure that that's real. Or because if it wasn't, like, it would just be the perfect joke to play with people, like, week after week, having them clap their own feet upside down on the floor. It would be really good. What if Ray is in dead earnest, but Joseph Pilates, the man who made this up, was just sitting at home thinking, what can I do to really mess with people's heads? Do you think I could I get know. them to clap their but own I did, feet? I, I did have a friend who went to the doctor for a checkup and he had her strip naked and then uh, walk around his office flapping her arms <laughs> <laughs> because he said it was medical for some reason. And oh, boy. I had forgotten about that until... You brought that up and suddenly it takes on a dark and sinister tone. Yeah. 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 Mine was really light and fluffy, just happily clapping our feet like seals. But your point is well taken that if people, that's why we we rebel against culture. Culture is just, you. I say you have to clap your feet and you just do it without even thinking. Yeah. We don't rebel against the culture of Pilates enough. No. It's time we did. I think we should just boycott <laughs> it. We should just go to our class and just sit there and go, No. <laughs> <laughs> you no. clap your feet. See how you like it, buddy. Yeah. That All would right. be really good. All what right. are you trying to figure out? Uh, I was just thinking about the Pilates machine called the Reformer. And I think, okay, anyway, my thing is also related to professionals that I go to for my health. It's my dental hygienist. I went and had uh-huh. my dental cleaning. And it is kind of a point of pride with me, only at the dentist. Everywhere else, everybody mocks and, and loathes me for it. But I am obsessed with flossing my teeth. Listeners, you should see how smug this woman gets when she gets back from the dentist every time. She's like, they told me I'm fabulous again. They don't say fabulous. They say, eh, do you floss a lot? And I'm like, constantly. And they're like, eh, I can tell. It's just the hygienist. It's not the dentist. But this dental hygienist said, and she got she cleaned my teeth with the little things, and then she has to floss my teeth for me as a kind of, that's part of the red carpet service. And anyway, so she's flossing away on my mouth, and she said, you could probably floss with your eyes closed. And I said, <laughs> yes, I can. But ever since, I've been trying to figure out how she needs her eyes to floss. Do people, and this is an honest question, do most people have to look in the mirror to floss or like look at their hands or something? Well, that's not the biggest question mark for me in that whole story because what I can't help wondering is like, (laughs) is she meant to floss? Like, 
is she meant to floss your teeth or are you being taken advantage of in some way? Because that to me is a step too intimate. I wouldn't let you floss my teeth. I'm certainly not going to let they a stranger floss do your it. teeth when you go to the dentist. I, I don't think so. Well, you pay attention because they're going to be flossing you, girl. Oh, my God. I don't want to be flossed That's by so- anyone but myself. <laughs> Well, that just ruins our romantic Valentine's evening then. Oh, uh, it's it's intimate. It's too intimate to floss someone else. No. Yeah. So, I, in fact, probably she was saying that it's so intimate you probably should close your eyes. Like you shouldn't even be present with yourself when you're she flossing. should have closed, like turned off the lights in that <laughs> in that little like room. <laughs> I before she her. took to you with the floss. I know. I can imagine her looming over me in the dark going, I'm doing this with my eyes closed. It's a bit like that that terrible meal that you have to, in France, that you have to cover your head with a <gasps> serviette so God won't see you eating it. That's what it's like. It's like to floss someone else's teeth is so intimate and grotesque that you should have to turn off the lights and close your eyes before you even attempt it. Well, now you went all dark because that's that covering your head with a thing while you eat something is, oh, sorry, it just made me like throw something across the room. You may have heard the clatter. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tragic. It's it was a little box of um, tooth floss. <laughs> yeah, tooth flossers. Oh, there are so many things that I don't understand, and I never will. Uh, we'll figure it out, Marty. Yeah, we'll figure it us, out. Give us some time. We'll be right back with more Bewildered. We don't say this enough. We are so glad you're a bewildered listener and we're hoping you might want to go to the next level with us, by which I mean if you rate and review the podcast, it helps new people find us so we can keep bewildering new souls and you know how much we love that. Ratings are very much appreciated. Obviously, the more stars you give us, the more appreciation is forthcoming. Reviews are quite simply heaven and we read everyone and exclaim over them and we just love you all. Mwah. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Who else is trying to figure something out this day? Well, someone. (laughs) How's that? Someone. Because today, (laughs) she segued awkwardly, is a Bewild Files episode, Marty, where we listen to the listeners. Ah. It's about time. Yes. With our eyes closed. And today we're listening to Caitlin. Hello, Martha and Ro. I am such a huge fan of your Bewildered podcast. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for letting me be here. Um, So I'm currently in the process of uh, transitioning my once for-profit business into a not-for-profit business, 
which is something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And I find that a lot of people in my life don't really quite understand my dreams. They don't understand my goals. I mean, the important people do, right? But I find it hard to get to not get lost in the, the noise of the culture, so to speak. So I was wondering if you had any advice or any streams of consciousness about how I can how I can maintain my own integrity within my dreams without allowing other people's ramblings to interfere with that. Thank you. Do we have any streams of consciousness? Oh, you better believe we do, Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin, to ask the two of us for a stream of consciousness. You had us at stream of. (laughs) I love this question. I really do. I I identify with it. And Mm. I think most people will because I have spent so many hours, months, years, probably 10,000 hours of my life trying so hard to get the people I love and who I know love me to understand me. But it didn't always feel like it worked. Yeah, I think there's such a strong, like, relatable feeling of wanting to be understood in our, especially in, our, like, our mission in what mm. we're, you know, and that's what I what I hear from Caitlin. And, you know, to, to be seen in the way that we see ourselves, right, our yeah. intentions, yeah. for our intentions and our, our good intentions to be understood. And, and that feels so important when it's the, the people we love. Yeah, there's so many. I've had so many clients who are really quite clear on their own path, but they were like, why does he not understand me? Why do they not understand me? And it was a separate painful issue. Yeah, this idea that those that they love did not understand so why do we want this so badly, do you reckon? Like what, what idea are we attaching to in wanting to be understood? Well, you know what we say that the culture comes brings people to consensus and nature mm. brings us to our senses. Mm. I think we are such social creatures that um, consensus gives, it a, it gives us lots of comfort. And if you're really going to go out on your own mission that's – individual and completely unique for you in all the universe, you can't have that consensus, really. Dreams can be quite diaphanous, and that means you kind of have to go forward alone, and we want the consensus. Right. Consensus feels safe. We, in a way, like we're trying to build a culture around us when we Mm. ask for consensus on our dreams, Um, or maybe join one that exists, but one or the other, you know, it's, it's about... Uh, a feeling of safety and approval. Yeah. And it's it's interesting the ways I've seen this as I was thinking through the topic. One time, I mean, this is as far away culturally as I can imagine the, uh, this question coming up in two different places, but it was still the same question. Um, I once, in the dark of night in the South African wilderness uh, by a crackling fire, I had, my, I had sort of a fortune-telling session with a sangoma which is what they call shamans in the local tribes and so in the way that they do it she it's called throwing the bones so this woman had a little bag of bones and sticks and i don't know what all shells and she would throw them and then she would read things from these shells and um it was very strange it was very unexpected and uh i was she would say something and she seemed a little bit confused. Like she was telling me, you deal with thousands of people, but you never leave your house. And she was looking at me as if she was confused. And then she started to gesture and she brought up a bunch of other people 
from the Shangan tribe there in northern South Africa. She was from Mozambique. And she would throw the bones and then she would say something. And then the translator would say it. And then all the people behind her would make, they said something that sounded to me like, Javo. And they said it every time she spoke out loud. And I asked someone later, what what were they saying? And And they told me, they're saying, we agree. Hmm. So it was like, she was going out on a limb because she did. She she's told me some pretty trippy stuff. I I wrote a whole book about, you know, the wisdom of the ancients because because of that throwing the bones session. And she was she knew what she was doing. She was no phony, but she still needed the agreement of her people. She needed a backup bench to mm. agree with her so that she could dare to say the things she was that were coming through her. Yeah. That's fascinating. It was. It really was. Do you yeah. think that's what a Greek chorus is about in the ancient Greek plays? That there's a chorus yeah. of people talking to the hero? Yeah. So there's usually, I mean, we've talked about this before because it's such a strong representation of culture. But, yeah, you'd have like half a dozen people on the stage representing the whole community. Um, mm. And I definitely think that the the urge to conform to a culture goes back at least i mean it probably goes back to whenever like you know yeah before we even really became human um but you know i think that the thing is that when we are looking for approval mm-hmm. like and, and that's the sort of outward sign of being understood right right we want to be understood and approved of because i think the only way we can conceptualize of not having that is to be judged Oh yeah, right. And and being judged by the people around us is another mm. face of of people. Don't get me. Um, but you know, like so. All right, so this is quite a a, a deep need that we seem to have. Yeah, and it is a social um, sort of. It's a it's a component of our social nature. I agree. But where co- human culture is. As a whole, mm. looking around, opening a newspaper. <laughs> Haven't opened a newspaper in a century. <laughs> you know me. Just open the newspaper I was... as I suck on my cigarette. Um, <laughs> the way we do culture with each other according to this sort of need is fucked. So mm. let's look at alternatives. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we do have that deep need for a deep bench. Do you say that in Australia, a deep bench? It's some sort of sporting metaphor. I can no, it means a very it. deep bench where you can just relax into a cushy. B- no, oh, it, it really does. Lovely. It's a sports metaphor, as if mm. I knew anything about sports. But it's having a lot of people who can step in for you if you get tired or injured or whatever. And the people who see our souls kind of feel like the bench, the deep bench for our mission. And mm. so if we don't feel that understanding coming from the people closest to us, I think there's almost a sense of of near panic, deprivation, hmm. of backup. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I have to say something, Marty. I just I feel like I can't stay quiet on this because I feel like in some ways our listeners do see our souls hmm. and I need them to see you in a, in a way that I don't think many people have ever seen you. And you said you don't know anything about sports, but I happen to have been in the room on occasion when – NFL football has been played 
and something really weird happens to you at that time and you start saying words that I don't understand and you start under- you, you're just like watching these things and describing what they're doing and making prognostications. Mm. It's so completely other. <laughs> That's so interesting. From you. Anyway, I just needed to say that. I was so sure that you were going to talk about how last week I was giving a speech and I was on Zoom and it was a really big corporate event. And so I had my pantsuit and I came in. Yeah, you came in and I got so hot in the middle of the speech that I and there was no way to like jump up and fan myself or anything. So um, (laughs) gently and I think very subtly, I removed my pants and my socks and Ro came into the room as I was giving my speech in a blazer and my underpants and she took pictures and in um, fact I think we might need to provide listeners with the photographic (laughs) evidence of this because it is very funny and uh, I've never seen the pictures I just saw you take them yeah you might you might not you might not see them (laughs) You don't know. You don't know where the show notes can be found. <laughs> if you do, all right. You Look, know, it's my truth. What can I say? Stop getting us off topic. Oh, sorry. Okay. Cult- what does the culture sake. say about this whole idea of being understood and how yeah. it's hard well, for people think, you love don't? Yeah, I think that. Um, the, I think the culture says that it's obvious and natural that <laughs> natural that the people who love you will get you it's automatic Mm. right oh yeah but but it's not I don't think that that's true I think it's often the people who love you don't get you at all and also have the strongest ideas about who you should be that is so in fact that is absolutely true the more people have loved me in my life the more they've tried to get me to understand them and the more I've loved them the more I've tried to force them to understand me so it gets to be quite contentious even. Yeah, this effort to make ourselves understood. So if we have these missions and, mm. I mean, mission is a very kind of grandiose word in a way, but, like, let's just use it. Let's just mm-hmm. be grandiose. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> and we're going forward in service of this mission. What if no one ever really gets us in this what if there's no individual i'm talking about us in the the loose sort of way one right if no one ever gets one is it still worth it i think it is i mean i think some of the greatest things in the history of the world have come out of people who just said nobody understands this but i'm going to do it anyway Mm. i think a lot of the great teachers like buddha and jesus were doing that and i thought about van gogh van gogh if you want to be technical and then I thought, yeah, but he cut off his ear and then he shot himself, so maybe not. But then he had Theo, his brother. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. My, <laughs> I think that none of us is totally understood and the geniuses sort of bring our attention to the fact that they went forward even though they were not completely understood and there's a kind of inherent loneliness in the great thinkers, well, in all of us, you know, because no two of us is the same. So I think... We all need people who love us, and we all need people who get us. But here's the thing. I don't think they have to be the same people. Right. Mm-hmm. So we we need to find someone who can get the parts of you that matter uh-huh. and that different people for different parts. 
can yeah. be okay. Yeah, because I think we've all had the experience of being loved but not understood by a person and maybe mm-hmm. the experience of being understood by people who don't even really know us. I mean, I really mm-hmm. think that sometimes the people, like you read the book I wrote after that Sangoma gave me the reading and you were mm-hmm. in Australia mm-hmm. and you understood it much better than the editor of the book that I was working with, right? Like I, when I met you and you started talking about it, I knew you understood that part of me completely. Mm. And the people around me when I was writing did not. So mm. it, was a, it was a weird experience of, okay, here's someone I've never met who really understands me. So that's one way it can go. Then you married me. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I think we all experience this, like these two factors, being understood and being loved. I think they, yeah. they are on a sliding scale and they don't necessarily relate. Where have you felt this mismatch between being understood and being loved? I just had a thought. Ooh. When, like, Caitlin talked about the people who matter and, you know, mm-hmm. the, and then this, this idea of the people who love us deeply, and I just thought, um, oh, it's an, a perfect Annie DeFranco line for this, <laughs> where she says um, there's a crowd of people gathered in every person. There are so many roles that we play, and you've decided to love me for eternity, and I'm still deciding who I want to be today. And so we, like, often the people who love us love us over a lifetime if we're lucky, yeah, right? Yeah. And we we are so many different people over the course of a lifetime. Yeah, and changing all the time. Changing all the time. And this is what I was just thinking is that I am a person of great enthusiasms, but I'm quite... Um, What's the, what's the word for that when you're like a dilettante? I'm a dilettante ah. of great enthusiasms. So I just, <laughs> I, I I get really obsessed and then I move on and get really obsessed with something else. And so I was thinking about when I was doing my master's in international politics, it was a very kind of a group of very idealistic people mm, on the whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were just constantly reading about, you know, all the genocides going on and you know, wars being fought and and injustices and all of this in these sort of far-flung corners of the world where no one was getting, you know, there there wasn't media coverage. And and I can remember, like, talking to one of my closest friends and just being like, why don't you want to do something about this? You know, and she's like, Jesus, I just came over for a cup of tea and you're telling me I need to go to Sudan. (laughs) Like, and I was just like, but how can you not? feel compelled to and then I finished my master's and I still haven't been to Sudan (laughs) or made anything better there remotely if anything I've probably made things worse just now saying that (sighs) um (sighs) but anyway so that's the time when I I didn't feel like people got me but Mm -hmm. I have to hasten to add I've been several people since then yeah I had a sort of group misunderstanding a mass misunderstanding if you will when I misunderstanding some misunderstanding. When I left Mormonism, my whole everybody I'd known growing up was very, very into that belief system. And the fact that I would leave it, I'm sure they still love me, but it was inconceivable. It was mm. it did not fit into the same universe in our minds. And my mind changed and theirs didn't. And it was like, okay, I'll love you from here. Um, but it was rough. Yeah. Mm. And I was also thinking about how 
I don't understand my own son. I love Adam, but I don't understand him. His Down syndrome makes him really, really different. And there are parts of him that I know are beyond me, but he gets parts of you. Like he understands you in some ways better than I do. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I haven't, you know, I've known Adam less than a decade, but we have a very deep understanding of of the places where we're similar. And one of them I know is that we, Adam and I, both care about stuff being good quality and we both like to research before we buy things, research, find something that's good quality, decide on it, then we stick with it. We're both the same. And so he comes to me with his Christmas list because he's just like, I can't, I can't trust you other people with understanding no. how important it is that I get the right adapter for <laughs> don't. my PlayStation. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. Yeah. Karen doesn't get it, but you so get it. I feel I feel so grateful to have Adam in our family because, yeah, you two really just don't, don't get and me yet, in this way. Every time he gets me a gift, it's weirdly deeply understanding of where I am in my life. So he gets you, you just don't get him. Exactly, but he gets me in this way that I can't quite understand. I don't know how he does it. He just always, like the day that something bad happens, he has a card that's exactly for that day. And yeah. it's just, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, um, it's uncanny. Yeah. So what about you and me? I mean, we. what do you think about where do we have places oh. where we don't get each other? Oh, I'm going to put the rubber where, on, wait, put your the rubber where you're <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, why do I do this? You're going to put your money where your mouth is. We say that. And I'm not going to Where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, like just put, make something out of the that. Rubber I don't, your mouth. I don't, oh, God. <laughs> why do I do this to myself? Okay. Honestly, like speaking where of your living mouth Mormon, meets the road. It's where uh, your mouth meets the road. I do... <laughs> I do think that, like, no one really, if you did not grow up in a cult, mm. you really can't understand what it's like to have that as your formative, as, as your foundation. Oh, it's very, sure. very different from being raised in a secular culture, for me. Really That's... weird. And I, I know, like, people who grew up that way get it, and people who didn't, including even my darling you, don't yeah. get it. No, I don't. And and I feel like that particular cult is is especially hard to understand because it looks sort of normal. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and so it doesn't the depth of difference takes is I'm still learning to comprehend yeah. it. Um and probably always will be. Yeah, and it was it was more intense for me because there are layers and layers of that culture and I was right at the center of the weirdest part. Yeah. So it's not every Mormon in the world who's like that, but yeah. It yeah. did that. Um, so what about yeah. you? Where do you feel misunderstood by moi? Well, I think you know perfectly well hmm? that you don't and don't understand, don't seem willing to hmm? even try to understand me in my passion for hashtag van life. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to live in a van and you don't respect it. I do not want to live in a van, and I don't want you to live in a van. That'll be. I mean, I'm just. Do you it. not want me to live in a van? <laughs> <laughs> 
I will say though, I'm gonna I'm gonna get meet you halfway because I see your whole <laughs> your whole fantasy is of living in a van, driving around with Ani DeFranco. Okay, because you never lose your passion for Ani DeFranco. And uh, we went to an Ani DeFranco concert, and I got it. I understand. Uh, yeah. I didn't get that part of you. I get it. There's no there's no songs about living in vans that I'm aware of in Ani's work. Oh, I'm sure you can find something. I think there is no oh. topic upon which Anna DeFranco has not written. There's plenty of topics about driving and being well, on the road. Well, there you go. Yeah. She put yeah. it in your head. I blame her. But did. I love her now. So I, I loved her all the time. I just didn't get why you were obsessed with her. And now I do. Aw. So, yeah. That's sometimes nice. Thanks we have for loving surprise. me and getting me in that way. Oh, thanks for loving me and getting me and loving me and not getting me sometimes. Hmm. And loving hey. me anyway. Yes. Good and point. Karen doesn't, it goes all the different ways. We all understand different things about each other. Yeah. So what do we do about it, Rowie Joe? Well, I think we will get to the bottom of this and we will figure it out, but we just need to take a little break. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So, Marty, I think it's fair at this point to say that it's likely that at some point we're going to come to the realization that some people love you but won't get you, don't get they you won't, or yeah. won't get you. That's what we're saying to Caitlin. That's the sad truth is uh, it's just you have to accept the fact that it's really not always going to happen. In fact, it will always not happen to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Yeah. So... So what do we do? We we very deeply want to create a culture or join a culture of consensus in this mm. area. So what we try to do on Bewildered is connect with our nature, like come to our mm. senses. Where do we find our senses here when the uh, longing is so deep? This is where it's really tricky because we can dodge and weave and uh, try to avoid it. Because the natural thing to do when you've reached something that you wish you had and you can't have it is to mm. go into grief, into the right. grieving process. That's how we let go of things that were that we really wanted that can't come to us wholly. And the first stage of that is denial. So we can <laughs> bounce around for decades going to different people saying, oh, this person loves and understands me. These people love me and they understand me. Oh, I get it. And I did a bit of that. And I've watched people do it for decades at a time. Or even like potentially I imagine turning away from love because we think that yeah. love without, I yeah. thought I thought he understood me, but he didn't. You don't get me. Yeah. And I think kids go through a time where they want their parents to understand and then they try desperately or they back away or they rebel or do anything to try to bring mm. those two things together. Maybe that's the bargaining phase that is part of the grieving process you think okay well if I did this if I managed it that way that's the second part after denial and if you're really honest with yourself eventually you get to grief the sadness part of it uh, 
I'm sitting here with a person I love. They don't understand me. And that sucks. Oh, and I, I left out anger. Anger is a big part. I think it comes before um, sadness for some people. It all is in a big mush is what it is. It's like being in a cement mixer of all these feelings. So there's denial, bargaining, um, anger, sadness, and then finally acceptance. And when you come out into acceptance after going through all the other things, um, your soul is, your your mind, your heart, your soul, they're all sort of tempered and made softer and more gentle by the process of grieving. It's actually a productive process. It's just that it's not fun all the time and we'd like to avoid it. But mm, we, pre- we tend to prefer fun to not fun. Generally speaking, yes. Yeah. Although, and so like if somebody comes to me and says, I really want this person to understand me and I have met them both, then I'm like, oh, I don't think they're ever going to understand you. And what's in front of you is a, a little spate of grieving, but you'll be okay. They're like, oh, no. But I can tell you from experience, it's better than st- you know, busting a gut to try to mm. be understood by the people you love or by hiding your true self so that you're always grieving the death of your own true nature because wow. you've sold it out to feel or to pretend that you're loved and understood by all the same people. Yeah, yeah. And I've got another piece of this, I think, which is mm-hmm. there are people who get you. Yes. They may not know you. <clears throat> Hashtag Ani DeFranco. They, <laughs> she gets me. She gets she me. Does. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, people who get you may not exist. There, I know mm. a number of fictional characters who get me very deeply. Oh, and yeah. I appreciate that from them. Mm-hmm. And for that matter, people who get you might be dead. Might have been dead for centuries. Ooh. Or they Rumi. will be someday. Rumi. I mean, when, <laughs> you better believe when Hafiz will. says, um, troubled, then stay with me, for I am not. From the distance of a, a millennium, I will bend a flame into the darkness to light the candle in your soul. It's like, <gasps> he gets me. Mm-hmm. And he loves me. He's just dead. Yeah, that's all right. There's worse things than being dead. Yeah, there better be, because um, we're all headed there. That's a really important point. And... Um, When you start to accept these truths, that the people who get you may not know you, that the people who get you may not exist, that they may be dead, and that the people who love you don't have to understand you, that is when you are in a position to meet the world as the creator of your own destiny. Because you'll be able to love those who love you, even though they'll never get you. And you'll understand that you'll never totally, you'll get that you'll never totally understand them. So it can make you more compassionate, make you listen more deeply. But I think the most important thing is that you realize that these two variables are not associated, being understood and being loved. Mm. You need both, but that you need to decouple them so that each of them can come from any direction or from any person. Isn't that wild? I feel like... There's something in this that is like pointing to such a huge level of spiritual maturity, you know, uh, to be able to love and be loved without an expectation of being understood Mm. is so, it's amazing how mind-blowing it is and yet 
And, you know, we're only talking partially, right? It's not like you're going to go and get married and live out your days with someone who you don't share a language with or anything like that. Right. Like it's not I mean, total. People have done always, that. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure they were great. <laughs> I, I, whatever. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Congratulations. But, but it's so interesting to think what, who, like who would I be if I could let go of that longing? Mm. right or you know say I have my mission and there are people who are so important to me who don't understand my mission mm-hmm. that's cool mm-hmm. because I can believe it in it myself enough to release myself from that longing for the culture the the culture's um validation yeah. of what I'm doing and then you actually become a leader you become a mm. leader of the of somebody who's deeply comfortable in walking out beyond the culture um allowing for mission and not expecting understanding. I think we all consist of so many different facets in ourselves. We're so many selves, like, like right. Anita Franco said. Um, and it, so it's like we have thousands of different faces all mm. looking out in slightly different directions, you know, and and there's it's almost impossible that we could meet a single person who could get each single part of us in that way. Right. You know, right. Um, but... Maybe we can find one person who can understand one part of us, like Adam and I, connecting mm-hmm. deeply in our appreciation of good quality things. <laughs> um, and and then maybe someone else can understand this part of me. And, you know, you can talk to ex-Mormons about that part. And mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe that's enough ultimately. I think it's enough. And I think ultimately, it becomes everything because it's reminding me of the metaphor of Indra's web, which is Mm -hmm. a Buddhist metaphor about um, the structure of the universe, where it's this infinite three dimensional spider's web. And at each intersection, there is a jewel with infinite faces. And in each of the infinite faces of all these infinite jewels is reflected the entirety of the rest of infinity. So ultimately, like the more and more and more you get in touch with who you are at the core, the more you um, you understand your own uniqueness in projecting out a certain light and reflecting it from certain other people. But also there seems the entirety of it holds and understands everything. So that I think as you move toward losing that sense of needing to be separate and different, as you lose your ego... Sorry, this is a bit Buddhist. No, this but is really cool. What happens is that you become Indra's web itself. You stop being the one little jewel. You become the whole web. And then you understand the little parts, of the infinite little parts of yourself. And you understand everyone else's infinite parts. And you understand that all along you all reflected each other very beautifully. Dude, I love it because it sort of has that zen paradox kind of flavor to it where it's like if i can let go of this idea i will come to the recognition of how profoundly we are all connected how profoundly one we all are yeah i will never completely understand anyone and no one will ever completely understand me until we realize that we are both understanding itself Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. All right. (laughs) I need a cigarette. (laughs) Um, So it's like back here on Earth, it's like X 
loves me and doesn't get me. Y gets me, but we're not close. That's all right. Okay. You know, Z is is dead people who get me and I love them. Yeah. And I don't know how they feel about me. And A is a dog who understands everything and nothing. <laughs> oh, that's the co- the koan of the the dog that understands nothing. You just you just double zend yourself and you didn't even know it. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Be the dog who understands everything and nothing. And then I am that dog. <laughs> me too. And I think if you can accept that and actually play with it and stop clenching to the idea of what love and understanding are, there's more of a joyful desire to go exploring our true nature, other people's true nature, the whole experience of life. So feel loved here, feel understood there, and stay, stay wild. wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is Bewildered Podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review. And stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think And the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.